Tonight's meditation will be the new moon in Cancer. And we will be dealing with the theme of the law of rebirth or periodicity. So just to give you a little bit of an overview of the next hour, we will be starting with a presentation, a talk on the theme. And then we will go into our meditation. Afterwards, we will have a period for discussion. And if you were able to read the three questions that were posted on the Lucius Trust website or in the email that you received, we will use those as a, a guide, but don't feel obligated to stay with those questions if you have others. But please hold your questions till we get to the discussion period. And then after that, we will have our closing and a few announcements. So I'd like to thank you for joining us and being part of this monthly new moon meditation and opportunity for service. So tonight's theme is the law of rebirth or periodicity. And this is a law that is qualified by the cancer energies. So when approaching the law of rebirth or periodicity, it's helpful to understand what a law is in relation to the manifested world. A law is a cosmic or systemic principle working out within the experience of a greater life through its form or personality expression. Our solar system is composed of seven planes of the cosmic physical plane. So all lives within it are the result of these principles or cosmic purpose being expressed on the physical or etheric level of this great being. The law of rebirth or periodicity is a law of the soul. It is how spirit expresses itself through matter. It is a law that describes the soul's sacrificial entrance into matter for the purpose of redemption of that matter. It is the result of karma as life is seeking to make contact with matter for three reasons. One, Perfection between spirit and matter has not been achieved. Two, the unsatisfied desire of the soul is seeking expression. And three, the will and knowledge of the plan is being worked out. This systemic and planetary perfection, desire, 
and part in that plan as individuals, as the human kingdom, are an aspect of this greater life and purpose. We must train ourselves to view our purpose from this level of consciousness, to rightfully see our part in the plan in a more impersonal way. This will then correctly reorient us to the true nature and usefulness of our service in relation to that planned group work. The group can then begin to realize this in terms of the greater hierarchical and cosmic effort. In Cancer, and particularly at the time of the new moon, our group attention and consciousness is brought to this awareness of our group purpose to renew our dedication and alignment to that purpose. This is a mental strengthening of the group life to keep our work and service in harmony with the greater group effort. We are seeking in cancer to better identify with the Aquarian ideas and ideals that are seeking expression within the human kingdom and according to the will of God. The ideas and ideals for humanity and the perfection, desire, and part in the plan that still needs expression is synthesis, unity, and the identification with the one life. Group consciousness of these ideas and ideals will then result in right human relations to all other kingdoms and lives on earth. That is the goal for humanity in this emerging Aquarian age. As souls, we took form and willingly sacrificed ourselves within the planes of matter so that we could help in the redemption of this matter in service to that plan. We will do this by manifesting these ideas and ideals within the human kingdom. We are here to initiate the new age and bring the vision of Shambhala, where the will of God is known, to the minds, hearts, and eyes of humanity and inspire them to do their part. We must be aware of the timing of this opportunity and attuned to the cyclic energies of cancer-seeking manifestation to bring them into the minds and hearts of humanity at this time. This is at the heart of what the new and full moon cycle is about and how our group is making this impact in our work and service. The new group of world servers is the result of the previous efforts to precipitate a new sense of group identification and power to serve. It is the result of a greater decentralization from the personality and form life and an increased identification in the life of the soul, which is group conscious. This is an evolutionary achievement and has created a center within the human kingdom that can contact and transmit symbolic force directly. This is hastening evolution and the part humanity is playing in the plan. As the esoteric heart center of this group, our role is to keep this alignment and keep meditating on the plan 
so that the energetic link will be maintained and the group can receive and transmit this force. This enables the plan and humanity to keep moving forward. The work of the group can be seen in all efforts to raise the consciousness of individuals, groups, and nations to higher levels of cooperation and sharing. An example of this is the United Nations and the sustainable development goals that have been worked out in committees so all nations can be represented in the framing of these world plans. This is an example of the bridging work the new group of world servers is doing to solve the problems of humanity, resulting from competitive and separative consciousness, and will build a greater awareness of our mutual interdependence. This is also hastening the plan under the law of love, this is our work in restoring the plan on earth. We have been entrusted with the awareness of this plan, so we must take responsibility for working it out. This is how right human relations to the greater whole in which we are a part will be realized. As esotericists, our work is done through meditation. We seek to utilize this powerful tool to help step down energies from higher sources and beings to the human kingdom. We are also seeking to keep the energetic link and intensify our ability to transmit the redeeming energies of the soul. We seek to be in rhythmic and cyclic alignment with these energies so we can work in harmony with the greater lives of which we are a part. The soul works cyclically and rhythmically, and the energy of cancer stimulates and reminds us of this fact. The third and seventh rays from the constellation of cancer help to condition the form life to better align it with the greater cosmos. Earth is learning these lessons of rhythmic and cyclic service to the greater whole as well. Today is Bastille Day, which celebrates the start of the French Revolution. France's soul is a third-ray soul. The founding of the United States of America, our own great experiment in democracy, is also celebrated in July. Both of these nations have led the world through development and education to bring the ideas and ideals of which they were created into form. Both nations have sought to build a lighted house and therein dwell through articulating the freedoms that men should live under and enjoy. Both were formed in resistance to the repressive and unjust order of their times. Both resulted in revolution of the mind and the heart of humanity and on the physical plane. The Great War was the planetary working out of principles from these two previous revolutions. We are now living in the after effects of these great struggles within humanity to seek greater light, liberty, and freedom. The Tibetan has said that we are living in one of the greatest times that humanity has ever known, equal only to the time of our individualization. We are seeing the birth of a new humanity and a new civilization 
and humanity's identification to and alignment with the larger whole. We are witnessing the birth of the human soul within the human kingdom. Humanity is standing on the threshold of its first initiation, and this is a time of great struggle as the nascent soul transcends the deepest and most entrenched energies of its physical nature to free itself. We can see this being dramatized on the world stage individually through groups, nations, and the entire planetary life. Humanity is making itself a more sacred kingdom, closer to the ideal to which it was created. This will then add our quota to the planetary sacrifice. Cancer is ruled by the moon and by Neptune. The moon represents our past in the previous round of our planetary life and our mastery of form. Neptune represents our future when a greater expression of love and right relationship will be manifest on our planet. In the secret doctrine, it's said that Neptune presides over and makes possible the second initiation. This will enable us to triumph over our planet, planetary emotional nature. Neptune is drawing us towards this next initiation after the work of the current one is achieved. This will enable more human units to demonstrate a loving astral nature and will end the violence of its lack in the previous round. Through this planetary crisis in consciousness, we as humanity are being forced to detach ourselves from identification with form and make the great transition onto the plane of the soul. Our meditation work is revolutionary, a revolution of the mind and of the heart. It is this bridging work that we are being called to do at each full and new moon. It is the way we will build a lighted house and therein dwell. And it is the way we will make Earth a sacred planet. Okay. Now let's meditate. Strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. Group fusion. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We recognize our place as a group 
within the heart center of the group of world servers. Mentally extend a light of energy, of lighted energy, towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary center, to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy, and towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the group of world servers mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression and meditating the plan into existence. Meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. Through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideas which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world servers.
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet from Shambhala through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world servers, through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, through the hearts and minds of the whole human family. Lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through the members of the group of world servers, so building the thought form of solution to world problems.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light, love, and power. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. All right, if you want to just sort of gather yourself a little bit, come back from the meditation. We have the opportunity now, if you'd like, to have a discussion about the themes of the talk and about cancer and the new moon. You want to refer to some of the questions that were provided, if those are interesting or you'd like to share your thoughts on any of them, please raise your hand and somebody will unmute you if you wanna speak or if you'd rather just share some thoughts in the chat, you can do that too and we can read them from the chat.
Hier geht es mit anderen. Ja. So we have a small group here at the office in New York and uh, many more of you online. Anybody want to share any thoughts? Well, uh, so there are definitely questions for reflection, that's for sure. But it's I do find it difficult to find uh, something to say so quickly. Just, just want to ponder them for a little bit. Yeah, you know, the first question for reflection is actually a direct quote from DK, which I found interesting. I think it's important to, you know, is the house you are building yet lit? You know, in terms of the individual, to me, that refers to sort of the, the personality at first glance, you know, but really so often the sort of house or the environment we live in is so much more than sort of our personality traits. Mm -hmm. To me, it's actually much more about the relationships you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And so if we think of, you know, all life is a web of interrelated relationships, well, perhaps that house is actually more of those those strands of living relationships that we hold between people that we that we create between people and the question itself draws you back to this idea that yeah well actually those are a house we're constructing so it's almost like we always or always have to be creating those relationships anew every day it's not it's unlike a uh an unlit house you can just build it and leave it but if you want to keep it lit in the sense of well-lived, of feeling really like a home, you know, you have to put your attention there just regularly, constantly. It's that sort of that living energy which makes those relationships really lighted. And I think so often we think of humanity's work in terms of activity, mm. but behind all human activity are human relationships which produce that activity. Right, and the theme of right relationship, which is you know, one of the themes that humanity is trying to achieve. Um, you know, it's a constant, like you said, a process of evolution. Mm -hmm. So as we sort of awaken to a deeper understanding of that, those of us who are thinking about it and care about that, we keep new ideas and understanding of that dawns on our consciousness. And hopefully that becomes part of our daily expression, but it's also something that we try to share with others and maybe becomes something that many people adopt and it changes the way we live in general. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, like the UN is an expression of many people who are desiring and hoping for a different kind of relationship and, and trying to put that in action, but it takes years of dedicated conversation and relationship building and showing up and yeah. doing the work not and, easy yeah. yeah and like you said any relationship takes work most people don't like to admit that but it's true yeah 
because so often, especially on the international level, those ident those conflicting identities like really just do not line up. It's conflicting ideologies. So the fact that even together at all, building relationships over there to me is remarkable that it's even happening. That that every day China, Russia, the U.S., Great Britain, the Security Council, pretty much every day they meet and they discuss things. And they don't agree, but they're meeting, you know, regularly. Yeah. And despite even even throughout the Cold War, yeah, you know, the USSR and the U.S. were meeting there at the Security Council on a regular basis. It's it's an interesting model too, because when you think in this age where so many people just give up on relationships, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, yeah. expect things to be a certain way, and when they're not, they're just like, oh, forget it. Um, you know, I was talking with a friend, and we were talking about the difference between like U.S. culture and her culture, and she's like doesn't matter whether you agree with any of your family members. They're still all invited to the barbecue. You may be telling them to their face, I don't agree with you. I violently disagree with you, but you're still going to be at the barbecue with me. Whereas, you know, uh, some American culture, we all separate from people we don't want to deal with. We just sort of stop talking to them. We don't invite them to the barbecue anymore. So, you know, these are obviously patterns of relationship that have consequences mm -hmm. there's a hand raised oh wonderful brother david trice yes david can you want to unmute yourself can you hear me can you hear me yes go ahead yes uh correct me if i'm wrong but didn't the tibetan say that the moon is veiled by uranus And in doing so, I think uh, uh, we should make the distinction between the what the Tibetans said, the, or Alice said, that the moon is dead, it has no life. And uh, I was just wondering if that was true. Well, we have our resident astrologer here that might be able to weigh in. Um, I mean, it, yeah, would you like to? Yeah. Well, in, in fact, the Tibetan says that the moon is veiled by three planets. Uh, it veils three planets, I mean. Um, and it depends on the evolutionary status of the individual as to which of those planets that it brings through. And so more, quote-unquote, ordinary humanity um, is the moon is veiling, uh, the, the moon veils uh, Vulcan. And that aids in the integration of the personality, you know, because Vulcan is related to the hammering, hammering of the personality so that it can be become more able to be aligned with its higher purpose, which takes many, many, many incarnations. But then when people achieve a certain measure of that purification at the physical level, then the moon veils Neptune, um, and that's more related to the mystical path, um, which again is a long period, um, you know, working up till the second initiation, which is one of the most difficult periods in the whole journey. Mm -hmm. And then I think once someone has, as Maya was saying, the second initiation is more related to the 
astral nature, you know, and the control of the astral body, which is difficult. And then um, once that initiation is taken, then gradually through another another series of lives, this being the sign of rebirth, we can say these things, um, the, the influence of Uranus then comes in and it's related to the discipleship path and to the ability to merge with the higher, higher mind, uh, the bridging work of the building of the inner bridge and consciousness. So the moon, yeah, the Tibetan does say the moon is dead uh, and it has no influence, but it can certainly cause uh, a negative thought form, which we've inherited from previous incarnations. And that's reflected in the sign of our moon at birth. And uh, it colors us still. I mean, I think it's a mistake to think that the moon has no influence because that energy and the ray influence coming through that sign is something that we have to work out. And um, so, yeah. Well, thank you, Kathy. Welcome. Some comments here. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. We have one from you scroll back to an earlier one. Okay. Clint. Okay, Clint says the theme of cancer coincides with the current cycle of conferences goal where we're trying to instill the will to act in the best interest of humanity to act quickly because of the dire need for action on climate change and other sustainable development goals. The task in cancer is likewise meant to build the new materialism or use the resources of the world to benefit the race by releasing the light of the soul towards that goal. Well, I think, you know, obviously, as as a terrorist, we are trying to be more aware of the energies that we're working with. Um, you know, not everybody who's working in the UN is is working on that level. But we, because we have that awareness, we can focus our thought on some of the work of the UN and how sort of cyclic opportunity like the energies of cancer can help and support some of that work and i think that's you know i'm not maybe answering your question directly clint but i'm trying to sort of step back a little bit and say you know we're in a role doing this work the new moon and the full moon work particularly new moon which is strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers then we can really help with that transmission of that energy to support the UN and the work they're doing. Um, and you know, not everybody's aware of this kind of work and opportunity. So I think that's important that we fulfill that role. Um, Dennis, there's another one. Anybody else raising their hand? Dennis says, I think there are a lot of great things going on in the world from electric cars negating noise and fossil fuel usage to disease eradication, mosquito control, at-home psychotherapy, debt forgiveness. There are all sorts of emerging ideas that make the world a better place when we stop to take a look. 
Um, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it's not that we should only be focusing on what seems to be not working, obviously. We have to constantly sort of keep our view at what is working and what needs still to be worked on. Um, you know, there are different levels to look at that too. Like some of these ideas in the talk about the law of rebirth or the um, ideals of the Aquarian age are obviously a real macrocosmic kind of pulled back view. But part of that work, like at this time of the month, when we were doing the meditation, where we try to, in the in lower interlude, think of the different ways that this is working out in the world to help build the thought forms of solution, like some of the things that you're mentioning, Dennis, are all ideas that different co-workers have done that very work of trying to solve problems they've seen and come up with solutions. Um, so it's it's a there's work all up and down the channel, you know, the higher interlude, the lower interlude, the energies, you know, that are trying to help bring the group together and foster that sense of group consciousness and unity. And then there are all the ways that they that can be manifested in different realms of human life and the problems that are the result of the lack of that kind of unity and sense of group or uh, consciousness. So let's see, anybody else? There's a anybody want to raise a hand or do you want me to just keep reading questions? <laughs> It's better if they can share audibly, but if you see something, oh yeah, pretty much everybody can read. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's invite um, Santana has a comment. I don't know if any of these folks want to speak. If you don't, I suppose, but please raise your hand if you do, even if you did put a comment in the chat and you want to actually be the one to talk about it. Santana, would you like to speak about your comments? <laughs> Putting her on the spot, yeah. Well, anyway, anybody who put a comment in the chat, would you like to speak? All right. I I can I can keep talking, but probably nobody wants to hear me talk, but please. No, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. It just brought up this idea that um, and I'm I'm always actually totally unrelated to what we just talked about people sharing but the but the what um came into my mind is this idea that today there's a lot of hopelessness and fear mm. out there and i think you know the opposite of hopelessness obviously is hope and vision the the opposite of fear in many ways some people say like love or something like that but sort of in a more, more occult way, we have this very, it's actually a very high spiritual quality of fearlessness, mm. which um, the Tibetan actually relates to the sort of highest level of the spiritual triad. If you could sort of uh, um, ascribe a quality to that, he ascribes to it fearlessness. The Buddha, he ascribes harmlessness mm. and the abstract mind to selflessness, I believe. But just thinking like, how today in the world there's this overwhelming sense of sort of fear and hopelessness and um and i totally lost what i was going to say 
of that fearlessness. Yeah. It was related to well, you saw you talked about um there being a lot of a sense of hopelessness in the world. You started with that. Yeah, no, just, I'll I'll come back to that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um Yeah, it's um I could address the second second yeah question. please do just from um you know what I understand a little bit about the law of rebirth what do you understand about it and uh, what's driving you into incarnation is it a desire for experience or the will and knowledge of the plan well, I think that the law of rebirth, as the title of your talk, is about periodicity. We all come in, we all come in with our group, you know. It's not an individual process, and um, we're all moving forward together with our group. And so um, there's a plan. We know that there's a plan uh, for our planet. Um, and so I think this incarnation for many of us is giving us some greater knowledge of what that plan is, you know, through the teachings of, of Alice Bailey, through living in this world of, uh, as Michael just said, of fear. Um, we're all being charged to come to a deeper understanding of how do we help this plan this divine blueprint to work out on our planet so that we're more in alignment with the sole purpose, not only of our own lives, but the sole purpose of the planet, the planetary life, that greater whole of which we're a part. And so I think the law of rebirth just is, it is driving us into incarnation because we want to do what we can to use our lives to fulfill a higher purpose that is in alignment with the plan. And um, supposedly, from what I've read, it makes sense to me that before we incarnate, there is a kind of um, collaboration between our our soul and higher forces that are seeking to help guide each individualist before they incarnate. And that there is a plan, not only for our planet, but there's also a plan for each one of our each one of us. There's sort of a graph that holds out not a strict thing that we have to adhere to, letter of the law. Each individual has free will. We're not uh, completely controlled by this blueprint, but it seems to me that if we work as much as we can in alignment with our soul purpose, we'll be working in alignment with this divine blueprint that each one of us has given before we incarnate. And then we'll be like the world teacher or the Christ who was said to have made the most rapid progress of anyone who ever incarnated on our planet because he had his plan and he was able to follow it and not make so many detours. Um, the detours are learning experiences, of course, but if we can follow our plan of our life most effectively, we'll be able to serve more fully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just... Um reminded 
it's sort of a combination of what you were saying, Michael, or starting to say, and then what Kathy's saying. I mean, we all look at and enjoy watching the example of people who've known exactly what they were supposed to be doing and just hit the ground running doing it and didn't waste any time and were fearless in doing it and you know how much ground they were able to cover how much they were able to do um, or people who overcame great adversity and I think like particularly in the U.S., we like to sort of see ourselves as a nation of people like that who are great at overcoming and just having those dreams and goals and, and you know, living them, fulfilling them. And, you know, fearlessness in that regard, I don't think it's that fear doesn't exist. It's that you don't let it sort of capture your attention mm -hmm. and now i think like with this law of periodicity as souls we're coming in to do this as a group like you're saying kathy and we've got a group goal we're like trying to turn the entire planet into something you know sacred and and uh that's in alignment with the plan for the entire planet and it's like the more people they keep getting tuned into that, the quicker we can get that done. We can harness the energy of the group, you know, and so, yeah, I think all of us have like a little piece of that job to do. And, and the more of us that can wake up and remember, the better. We all have our little cup of inspiration that we contribute and pour into this great reservoir, which of which many, many seekers can draw. You know, I like to think of it that way. It's like, like a big chalice or something. A reservoir of yeah. inspiration. It's and and I I guess maybe I because I have a lot of seventh ray in my nature I always think of it as this great corporation and everybody knows exactly which department they're supposed to be working in <laughs> and we make sure that when HR gets the job done right puts the right person in the right job so that yeah. the machine the corporation's just humming along everybody's happy in their job yeah. doing a great job and the things just like this amazing organized yeah. you know but that's like my little seventh ray fantasy <laughs> but yeah it's uh anyway got dennis laughing he's like laughing and crying at the same time this little <laughs> smiley face that's crying laughing okay <laughs> nothing out loud <laughs> all right so is there anyone else that has a comment Bob Monica. Oh, there's a hand. Oh, wonderful. Jacqueline. Jacqueline, are you, you get your hand raised. Do you want to unmute? It just takes me a while to unmute. That oh, okay. She, somebody's going to unmute you. Hold Ooh. on a second. Are you unmuted now? Yes, thank you. Um, I was just uh, reflecting also on, um, the key words of the plan of love and light. And I was thinking how 
um, how deep and how how deep and how complex those two words can be in our evolution on different levels and different planes and different relationships. And um, then I was struck by the phrase, I don't remember the exact words, but I, I never forgot the concept because it was so overwhelming to me that the plan to let the plan of love and light work out. However, then ultimately, and this is not in the invocation, but simply it said to reveal the mind of God. Then it was like, oh my God, <laughs> literally, oh my God. <laughs> to reveal the mind of God, that's the plan also. So that, that's another level and another discussion. But I, it, when we're talking about love and light, somehow that comes up for me as a context as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. When you say that, I immediately start thinking about symbols or like, like geometric patterns. So that's how I guess how I think about the mind of God these days like energy patterns, geometric patterns that represent right relationship energetically and how things are built um, on every level and how we can look at those kinds of symbols to understand the mind of God in that way. Yes, I think art, some, some of the art that we see and is, is expressing the higher levels of consciousness, what we call modern art or contemporary art or abstract art, all those labels. And I think many times, not always, of course, but I think they are pointing to what you're describing. Thank you. Yeah. And even down to the simplest things, like I, I remember when my son was very little and he started like kindergarten and he started seeing all these ageless wisdom concepts in the kindergarten classroom like the three primary colors that you know red blue and yellow that the kids were learning to paint with and I was like oh my gosh it's everywhere <laughs> <laughs> even the little children get you know exposed to that they just maybe don't know what they're looking at but on a certain level they do the mind of God is you know on every level and every plane do, does anyone know the work of Hilma of Klimt, the artist uh, who worked in a collective, a spiritual collective? I don't remember the years, a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, I think her work reflects some of these things we're talking about as well. Yeah. Wasn't Klimt also like a theosophist or influenced yeah. by yeah. Blavatsky? Yeah, that's what I thought. You're thinking of Gustav Klimt, which oh, was a different artist. Yes, and that's true too. But uh, I'm thinking of uh, in in the Netherlands, Klimt, her her village, Hilma, Klimt. Yeah, but yes, Klimt as well. Okay. Oh. Okay. Are there any other hands? Don't see any. There's another comment. I'm going to read this last comment. We are coming to the end here of our time together. Um, sorry, actually, I'm going to have to not read the comment. Okay, I'm being told I, sh I can read it. Okay. <laughs> Yadelsi says, it is not desire which prompts return, but will and knowledge of the plan. It's not the need for achieving an ultimate perfection which goads the ego on to experience and form. 
for the ego is already perfect, it is in order eventually to negate the space-time concept and prove it an illusion that the door in cancer opens to the sacrificing serving soul. Bear this always in mind as you study the subject of rebirth. Sounds like the Tibetan there or something. <laughs> You're starting to sound like the Tibetan, Yelsi. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sharing. Thank you for participating in the meditation. And um, we're just going to mention upcoming meditations in the next few weeks. We have the upcoming full moon meditation, Festival of Leo, coming up on July 31st, which is a Monday at 6 p.m. And we will be doing that live here at uh, Suite 482 here in New York City. And then after that, we have the new moon meditation in Leo coming up on August 15th, which is a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Also here live, but we'll be online for both as well. And um, you can go to our website, luciustrust.org, if you want to subscribe to the email list to be reminded and invited to do that and get the link to the Zoom uh, meeting as well. So again, thank you everybody for coming and have a good evening. <laughs>